Um, thank you for choosing to listen to Theme Park Films. We are Carla and Holly, two friends from England, who usually ride the movies, watch the film and give you our thoughts. This, however, is one of our special episodes where we have a little think and choose a film to review that we think deserves to be immortalised in a theme park. Enjoy! And welcome to Theme Park Films. I'm Carla, and as ever, I'm joined by Holly. Hello. And this is the second of our specials as to what films we think deserve a theme park ride or attraction. And this is my choice this week. And I have gone for Greece. So, what did you think when I said Greece? Not just now. I mean, like when I said it to you a couple of weeks ago. I was annoyed I didn't think of it. Well, I wasn't sure how you would take it, because obviously it's an old, older film. I was shocked you picked it. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> Sorry. It's one, of, it's one of my favourite films. I know I say this practically every week, but... No, but Greece is genuinely in my top five films. Okay, I didn't know that. It's because you just bleat on too much about like the Back to the Future and stuff like that and E.T. Well, I talk about it because we do a podcast about theme park rides. I don't think I ever talk about Back to the Future with you outside of this podcast. Ever. Oh, you do. Randomly just text and say, oh, I love Back to the Future. I'm just going to text you in the middle of the night. <laughs> God, leave me alone. I get it. You like it. Anyway, a bit of background on the film. So, well, No, 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 no. Before you do this, you've got to say what sort of ride it would be. So I thought it wouldn't be a ride, but it would be like a land. All right. So, you know, you know, like you've got, if you've been to Island of Adventure in Orlando, you've got Jurassic Park's got a land, Harry Potter's got a land. It would be like Greaseland, where it's basically the end of the film. So with the funfair and all of the music would be playing as you go around each ride. Like, you know, like you've got the Ferris wheel and then you've got candy floss machines or cotton candy for our Americans. And all things like that. And then you could have um, whatever the hell they walk through during You're the One That I Want. You could walk through that and, you know, some photo opportunities maybe with some cutouts. Well, you see, I do kind of like your idea, but I think I've got a better one. And the work, like, I think that the, the idea of it being like the, the land is really good. But I would have the diner there so obviously just have like that's where you can have lunch and stuff you know a little bit like what they've got in universal but theme it up a bit yeah because they've got mel's diner yeah so you could you could take that over and stuff have the cars outside then one of them you could go to which could be a sort of because 
you know, you could do something like even a behind the scenes of how the movie's made. One of those, you know, like one of those ones where it's like, it's when it's sweltering hot outside and you want to go and sit down for like a good 15 minutes and you sit in a sort of um, like a car. Oh, like a drive-in. So you could do that piece of it. And I think Greece. It's probably one of the only films that I, I think kids nowadays probably would still like it. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it transcends over every generation because obviously it, it came out the year I was born. So I didn't see it until a good probably five years after it came out. You obviously saw it about 10 years later. I think that Greece is also one of those things that... You know, and I know we talk about this a lot and you always say, oh, they shouldn't remake, they shouldn't remake. Grease is one of those films, they should absolutely not remake it. My God, you've actually said something sensible. I think it would just ruin it. Yeah. You're never, it's never, ever going to be the same. Wow. We, we 100% agree on that. I'm shocked. No. I thought you were going to tell me that it should be Ricard with Zac Efron or something. It was that in my head, actually, with Zac Efron. And I just, I think watching the film, it's kind of, there's bits in that film now where you just couldn't do these days. Like, you couldn't get away with, like, doing. You couldn't get away with a lot of it, and we'll get on to that. because It was a PG, remember, this film. I don't know what rating it was given in, in America, but here it basically, PG means... Free-for-all, anyone watch it. I mean, I think now it would easily be a 15. 100% this would be a 15, just for the lyrics in Grease Lightning alone. Okay, so a little bit about the film. So it was released on the 14th of September 1978 in the UK, and... Uh, 13th of June 1978 in the USA the year I was born but I don't ever remember it not being in my life like I feel the same it was just always there I used to watch it endlessly on video and I always used to get my dad to keep rewinding the end because I liked like the last two songs the best so I always used to keep getting into rewind it rewind it rewind it all the time and I probably this is other than Back to the Future, which I know I've just mentioned again, is probably one of the only films that I could do the entire script without watching the film, probably. When you said about watching Grease, I was yeah. actually really, I was really excited to watch it again. And I think it's one of those films that you can just, to me, every time I watch it, it just it gets better. I just love it, really, really love this film. There's a lot of, you know, me, because, you know, you're very like, oh, my top five, top ten, top fifty films. I mean, you could name them all. Um, any <laughs> genre, you know, any any category, top top five films which doesn't, you know, have this character in it. You know, you have your list ready to go. I don't. But I would say that actually this probably would be one of my favourite films without even really realising. Wow. That's impressive then. Yeah, because you don't have many favourite films. No, I don't. It starts with... I mean, can we just have a real quick conversation before this begins? And it is one of my favourite films, but, you know, there is a few issues in it. How old How old <laughs> were they? Okay, 
I've done research because I knew this would come up. I know how old each of the actors were when they played these parts. So do you want to guess? Do you have a guessing game? Okay, so I'm going to go John Travolta. I'd say he was 30. Okay. What do you think Olivia Newton-John was? 25. Rizzo? <laughs> 50? No, I'm 32. I won't, I won't go down the entire list, but I have got all of them on here. But um, I will just say uh, Kaniki. I'm just going to go 30 again. Okay. So um, John Travolta oh, was actually only 23 when he filmed old, this. isn't he? So one of the youngest, actually. He does look older. He was the third youngest. So the only ones younger were Marty who was the coolest of the pink ladies. She was 20. Patsy was 22. He was the blonde T-bird. Olivia Newton-John was 29. Now, she did look pretty good for 29. Yeah. I mean, she didn't, let's not be honest, she didn't look 17, but I could have believed she was early 20s. So Rizzo was 33. She was the oldest. Mm. She didn't look 18. No. But she was so cool. Oh, I don't yeah. think it mattered. Yeah, no. And Kaniki was 26. Again, he did look older than that. Yeah. So they offered the part to Olivia Newton-John and she was apprehensive because she was 29 and she was like, I can't play a high schooler. There's no way. And apparently, I don't know how true this is, but apparently, according to a Channel 5 special, which I would have no reason to doubt whatsoever, because they're always very accurate, they said, that's fine, everyone in it would be older, so that it wouldn't notice. And it kind of works, because all of them look too old, you kind of forget it. I think if they'd have tried to have real teenagers mixed in yeah, with... with middle-aged... But because they all looked older, you kind of just overlooked it. I mean, when I was a kid, I don't even think I noticed they all looked older. No, I don't. I think it's only really recently I was watching, you know, watching it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, they do look quite old. And then you just sort of go, oh, well. And then it's only when they make a reference to them being like 18 or something. And I think also why it works, actually, is because you never see any of their parents so you never see their, any one of their parents, do you? You only see te the teachers, but the teachers are, like, significantly older. Yeah, I wonder if they did that on purpose as well, because all of the teachers look like they're nearing retirement. And um, even, like, the waitress in the diner was a very older lady. And I, I yeah. just... whereas maybe if you'd have seen, like, Sandy's parents, you know, it would have maybe been a bit more... They would have looked younger than Rizzo. Yeah, so maybe that's why as well. Yeah, I think when you're a kid, everyone just looks generically old. You know what I mean? Like, well, if you're like a child, anyone over sort of 21 might as well be dead. Like, they're just old, generic old. Because I think they were supposed to be about 16, 17. I don't even think they were supposed to be 18. Yeah, but it's their last year at school. Your last year at school in England is 16. Yeah, but the US is 18. Was it in the 50s, though? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think anyone stayed at school in the 50s till they were 18. I mean, over here, you were leaving at sort of 14, 15 in the 50s. And some of them, like one of them, I'm sure Kanicki, they said something to him like, 
about how he was held back a couple of one of the jokes was he's been here longer than I have one of the teachers says about Kaniki but I'm not sure that the girls the pink ladies I mean Rizzo has obviously been held back for like over a decade right are we ready to start the film now yeah so, uh, yeah, it starts with Danny and Sandy being all loved up on the beach. And then I think the best title sequence ever kicks in. When that when when Grease starts to play, that, that's a tune and a half, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It was written by Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees. What's that? And sung by Frankie Valli. Oh. Thank you for that. That's okay. We see the uh, the three geekier members of the T-Birds. They're sort of jumping around with Kaniki and they're all excited to see Danny, who says that he met a chick by the beach. And then we see Frenchie and Sandy walk into school and it's clear that Sandy's Australian and, and she's new. So kind of Frenchie's showing her around, didn't she? I'd have liked to have seen how they um, how they met. Yeah, I I often wondered that. Mm. Was she just put with Sandy as like a mentor? Did they, you know, like because Frenchie was like the nicest of all of the pink ladies. Yeah. She was the only one that was actually a nice person. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that they weren't nice. It would have annoyed me that someone would have just come and, you know, like dumped this new person in my group, especially if I'd gone to the effort to have jackets made. <laughs> I mean, know your place. Clearly, she wasn't one of the ones who could make the decision of who was going to be joining the group. Well, be kind to people. Mm. She's a newbie. She would have suited the other girl okay. better anyway. Yeah, she should have been hanging out with Patty Simcock. Yeah. I mean, we might not have had the film, but... We love so dearly. Yeah. Then we see the pink ladies walk in. Yeah. Looking very cool. Well, Rizzo and Marty look cool. And Jan's <laughs> yeah. there, isn't she? No. She wasn't one of the coolest. Why would they hang out with her? I don't know why she's in the group. Because she's not much cooler than Sandy, to be honest. Worse, actually, I would say. When I was a kid, I wanted to be Marty. In fact, I still want to be Marty. It's never going to happen. I just think she oozed coolness. She did. Just ridiculously, effortlessly cool. Yeah. Don't you think it's weird that both of your favourite characters have the same name? Oh, okay. You're bringing up Back to the Future now. <laughs> Obsessed! <laughs> Who's the real obsessive one here? <laughs> Is it me or you? Uh, she's not my favourite character in the film. I just I just wanted to be her when I was younger. So Sandy registers at the office. And then it cuts to the T-Birds wandering around the corridors. And Sonny, who another one looks like so old, it's ridiculous. He was 32 in real life. He gets told off. And then they pick on poor Eugene, the school geek. I would have been the female Eugene. <laughs> and you would have been Rizzo. Thank you. Not as old, but... But it, what I liked about this is that they all pick on Eugene, but Danny just walks off. 
he doesn't get involved in the picking of Eugene. And I think that kind of says a little bit about Danny's character, that he wasn't really nasty. Jan asks Rizzo if she's seen Danny and said that he's looking good. And then she does that great thing with her glasses where she like pings her glasses up and down. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I do that, I just get a migraine because I actually use my glasses to see. (laughs) But Rizzo says that Danny is ancient history. Yeah. Frenchie introduces Sandy to the pink ladies. Uh, It doesn't go down too well. And then we get the fantastic scene with Rizzo and Patty where she comes up and Rizzo just blatantly tears up the card that she gives her. Which again is just, yeah, she's just annoying though. Who, Patty? Yeah. I think they did it well in the, um, obviously, you know, Rizzo is quite a nasty character, but at no point do you really dislike her. No, not at all. Which is very clever to do, actually, because they make the, the characters around her annoying enough that it's almost justifiable how she is. Yeah. We're getting dangerously close to doing a proper film critique, so we need to... (laughs) This is sounding far too good and professional. Rizzo says that Sandy looks too pure to be in the Pink Ladies. Yeah, and you have to say it properly. She looks too pure to be pink. I'm not going to try the American accent after last week. Not again, no. (laughs) It was a mistake. And then Summer Night starts playing. What a song. Amazing song. And it's moments like this like in this song that you realise again, like how dirty it is. <laughs> There's just I mean it's just innuendos galore throughout this whole film. But it's also a little bit, you know, like at one point Sonny says, Did she put up a fight? Probably wouldn't say that now. No, because you get arrested. But yeah, it's such a clever song. It's so clever because they are telling the same story, essentially. Yeah. But just, obviously, his is the lie and hers yeah. is the truth. So after the song, we get um, Rizzo mm. saying that he sounds like a creep because he didn't lay a finger on her. I thought that was, again, I thought, you know, it's nice to see something which is, like, refreshing. <laughs> and Sandy says he was a gentleman, but... Then she says his name, and of course they all recognise his name, but Rizzo gets them to shut up, Yeah, and Frenchie just looks a bit awkward, doesn't she, about she it She could have just told her, couldn't she? She could have had a quiet word, I suppose, and just said, you know, like, you've got a bit of a reputation around these parts. I find it hard to believe they hung out in the entire summer. I don't know how long the summer holidays in America, but I think they're even longer than here. Ours are six weeks, yeah. and I, I think they're, they're like a good couple of months, aren't they? That he didn't once mention the name of his school. Well, and I thought it was weird that they come back and they're a bit like, oh, how was your summer? So you didn't, you, none of you saw each other, like through the whole summer. Yeah. I mean, obviously I know it was, you know, probably a time before even phones. I understand that, that, you know, it would be harder to meet up. That'd be back in the days so where you'd go and call on each other and go out, wouldn't you? Hang out the diner. Why? I mean, the poor diner must have been sort of, you know, the whole of the summer, it must have just had tumbleweed rolling around it, <laughs> waiting for the children to come back to school. <laughs> 
So it's the American football thing going on in the evening and the T-Birds are standing there staring out the Scorpions, which are a rival gang from another school. I mean, how old was that man? (laughs) Did I write down his age? Let me see. I did. He was 31. Oh. Do you not mean 41? (laughs) I thought this bit was weird because um, Sandy joined the cheerleaders very quickly. I mean, presumably they'd only been there. She'd only been there a couple of days. Yeah. By this point. She hadn't run into Danny, so she must have, it must have literally been two or three days. And I thought she seemed to have like moved on quite quickly. Yeah. You know, she she's staying, but she couldn't, you know, it's like, oh, I met a guy down at the beach. But she thought, oh, I'm not even going to bother to try and speak to him again. I'll just crack on with someone well, new. I, the first thing I would have said to Rizzo is, uh, sorry, to Frenchie would have been, oh, I met this guy. You don't know who he is, do you? And kind of just said his name. Do you know where I can find him? Because even if you didn't go to the same you school, might have, yeah, you might have heard of him. The pink ladies go up, and Rizzo chucks Sandy in front of Danny. And at first, you see the true Danny, where he's all excited and pleased to see her, and then he remembers that his friends are standing behind him, and he and has to this play it is cool silly because it's a bit like. I get it, you know, play it cool in front of your friends, but you don't have to be that much of a <laughs> You know, like, there's, there's, different, there's different levels, isn't there? <laughs> you went a bit too far. She storms off, and Rizzo's just standing there grinning at Danny because mm. she knows it's really bothered him, and he kind of gives her an evil look, doesn't he? It cuts to a sleepover. And they get Sandy to smoke, they get her to drink, and then they pierce her ears. I mean, you know, I think they were quite horrible to her. I mean, you say you say it like, oh, they got her to smoke, they got her to drink. She had the smallest puff on a cigarette. I don't think she even drank anything because she said, no, I don't drink. And then French tried to pierce her ears mm-hmm. and she, you know, there was a small bit of blood, apparently. Frenchie reveals that she's dropping out of Rydell. I mean, after how many years? No, <laughs> done ten. Just stick with it. One more. <laughs> so she's going to go to beauty school. And then it launches into Look at Me, I'm Sandra D. Love this song. Great song. Again, a bit racy in places. When I think back, I used to sing all of these songs pretty much word for word. Yeah, but Carla, this is the thing. It's like when I was younger, I would sing Blue, um, Too Close, is it? I mean, that (laughs) song is filthy. When you're a bit old, you're like, gosh, racy, very racy, that song. Sandy comes out just at the end and realises that they're making fun of her which was horrible. Probably not for you. I just think, you know, like you've been invited to a sleepover, you're being an absolute bore. What more would you expect? (laughs) Well, because she didn't want to smoke and drink and and have her ears pierced. I mean, I don't think that's unreasonable. But she brought nothing to the party. Literally nothing. 
boring. <laughs> and then it cuts to hopelessly devoted to you. Mm, I've got to say, actually, for all of this film, you know, that I absolutely love it. It is one of my favourite films. I skip through this song and Beauty School Dropout. I cannot be dealing with it. You know, same. I mean, I don't run it through now, but when I was little, I always used to run through this song. I just found it very boring. And even now, I find it a little dull. Now, again, not that I, I, we're getting dangerously close again to giving out too many facts in this show, but I heard on the grapevine of Channel 5 that in Olivia's contract, because she was obviously a singer, before she got cast, that they, she had to have a solo song. And Hopelessly Devoted to You wasn't actually in the original stage oh. show at all. And they added it. Yeah. They wrote it and added it specifically so that she Ruining could have a solo number. And I don't understand where it's like suddenly come from that she's singing about Danny being like, I'm, hope no. I'm hopelessly devoted to you. You're not. Because earlier on in the scene, we were seeing you chatting to... The, the football player. You know, you made no effort whatsoever to go and see him again. You liar. Yeah. Absolute liar. <laughs> then we get another racy scene with Rizzo and Kaniki in the car. I mean, she's just so sassy, isn't she? And I do like it, though, that when, you know, they sort of, I don't know, something happens. And then, you know, he's a bit like, oh, well, I did get this however many years ago. You know, like he gives all this bravado, but, you know, deep down he's... Yeah. Yeah. It then cuts to Grease Lightning, which, I mean, I always chop and change, which is my favourite song, but this is such a great song. It's so cool. When the first, when, like, the first song comes on, so when you, like, listen to, like, Summer Love and you're like, this is it, this is the song, and then Grease Lightning comes on and then you're like, no, this is the song. It's like that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And this has one of my two favourite scenes ever from any film in it, and they both involve smoking. But when Kaniki lights his cigarette with that lighter with a flame, he's just huge, I think is one of the coolest things mm -hmm. I've ever seen. I stand by it. You know, I don't smoke. I never have smoked. Don't smoke, kids. It's bad. But they make it look damn cool. They really do. It looks cool. Yeah. It looked amazing when he did that. And that's the thing these days. You don't get as many people smoking. You don't, people don't look as cool. Imagine if they'd done this with vaping. <laughs> Kaniki oh vaping on, on the hood of a car. So, uh, yeah, as we said, the, the, the lyrics to this are, you know, really, really, probably the, the most explicit out of all of them. And yeah, everybody at family weddings is all singing along, doing the dance. And another one, again, I used to sing along to. I had no idea what I was saying. None. Mm. I don't even think I sung the correct word. Well, thank God. But I don't think I sung the correct word. God knows what I was singing. <laughs> that in the stage show is sung by Kaniki, but John Travolta demanded oh, that he take the lead. Such a diva. 
Classic John. <laughs> What's he like? But, and this will be the last fact I put in. Probably. Kaniki was, uh, he played Danny in the stage show. And not only did he have to give away the role and take Kaniki when it came to the film, but he also lost the song, so he didn't get a solo song. I mean, it's surprised he even did it. I thought I thought he was Kaniki was good actually. I thought he was great. So it cuts to the diner, and we see Sandy with Tom, who's kind of the football. Yeah. Well, jock, and I like me, it I that again it's like America. showing a thing where the where the cheerleaders and the football team aren't cool. Like they they seem like they're the losers. Yeah, so it's the perspective of different kinds of gangs, isn't it? Danny tries to talk to her and apologise, and he starts to mock Tom, and then she mm. sort of snaps at him and says, "Well, what what have you ever done?" So next, we see Danny trying out sport, Every sport going, which is a yeah. nice little comedy few minutes, isn't it? We see him running because basically it's the only sport he can do where he doesn't knock someone out. And this impresses Sandy and they get back together. But just me that kind of felt a bit sorry for Tom. No. No. He hadn't really done any. I mean, he was a bit of a drip, but he hadn't done anything. He was, you know, he wasn't nasty, and she just walks off with Danny. Yeah, no. Okay. He takes her to the diner, but he, he tries to hide her. So it seems like he's. I didn't. I don't really understand. Well, I, I guess he was ashamed that he was with her, but that none of them seem surprised that they're there together. So I'm not sure why he was trying to hide her. They. Seem to all yeah. take it on the chin. All the friends find them. And yet again, she shows that she, yeah, she's a bit of a drip because she asks him if he wants to go for tea with her parents. <laughs> and then he, he um, massively over. I mean, it's funny because then he says something like, Oh, I don't like tea. And she's like, Well, you don't have to drink tea. And he's like, Well, I don't like parents. Yeah. <laughs> But again, so strange that she asked him. Because by this point, she must know he's quite a big deal in the school. Like, he's, you know, obviously she sees a different side to him, but he's got kind of a persona. So you wouldn't ask him to go around your parents' house while he's effortlessly called best mate is sitting next to him, would you? No. So Rizzo is a little bit sarcastic to Sandy and Kaniki kind of jumps in a little bit and they have an argument. Yeah. He's left with the bill and she chucks the milkshake over him when he demands that she pays it. We then cut to beauty school dropout. Skipped that, so I can't talk about it, I'm afraid. Marty and Rizzo are discussing not having dates. And then they see the leader of the Scorpions drive past and jump in the car. And then it gets to the dance. And when each time it gets to the dance, I think, no, this is my favourite part of the film. Yeah, because there there's loads. just so many. When I was younger, I truly thought this was what high school was going to be like. Oh, what an absolute disappointment for you. Such disappointment. I can't tell you how gutted I was. 
Rizzo turns up with the Scorpion's leak, Scorpion leader. Kaniki is with Cha-Cha. Again, I mean, how old is she? I mean, let's check. Let's check. <laughs> let's check how old she was in real life. 30. She looks a lot older than that. She did look a little older than 30, I'm, I'm afraid. It turns out that um, that's someone that Danny's kind of had a fling with at some yeah. point, isn't it? And the rest are all coupled off, but Marty ditches Sonny for Vince Fontaine, the uh, the host. So I thought it was quite sweet that we see the waitresses in the diner watching them on TV. Yeah, that was nice. Probably because they're their only customers, as we now know. Oh, I mean, yeah, they must yeah. have been empty that night. Yeah. Danny and Sandy stand out and kind of break away from everything and do this amazing dance that looks like they've rehearsed for hours, but they haven't. They're just doing it impromptu. It's just so natural to them. It really was. Was that what you and Adam looked like at your dance? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and then Cha-Cha steps in. Now, I mean, this was a bit weird. Why would he just carry on dancing with Cha-Cha? Why wouldn't Sandy try to get well, back on the dance floor? Why wouldn't Danny just be like, Sandy, come on. You know, not do some epic hand jive with Cha-Cha. Because <laughs> <laughs> he kind of... Half looks around as if it just goes, ah, that, and continues on. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) I wasn't really sure why she was even pulled off the dance floor because I think it was Sunny that pulled her off. Yeah, and I was, I I wrote that down. I was like, that's weird. Like, why did he take her? It would be understandable if, like, Charchar dragged her off and, like, chucked her to one side. But what's Sunny doing wandering around doing that? Yeah, so anyway, they win and it cuts to the drive-in where Sandy is with Danny again. I mean, I'm not sure I would have forgiven him for that. To be honest, that was quite a mess up, I think, that he did there. Mm, I agree. I think he went a bit a bit too far. He apologises and she kind of falls for it, but then he tries it on with her and she stomps off. Then we get Sandy, the song playing. Oh, I skipped this as well. During this whole drive-in, we find out that Rizzo thinks she's pregnant. So Marty spreads the word ridiculously quick, even though she's yeah. been told not to say anything. And Kaniki finds out, but she tells him it's not his. It's because, you know, like deep down she's sort of hurt, isn't she? But she likes to give this sort of bravado that she's, you know, she doesn't need anyone. And they're prepping for Thunder Road, which is the big... Um, car race between the scorpions and the T-Birds. Sandy is nice to Rizzo. She's a bigger person, isn't she? She goes up and says, if you need anything. Well, she's not, she hasn't been that bad to Sandy, has she? They do still, ha- they are still sort of hanging out in um... the friendship group. Um... Anyway, she says thank you for, for the offer. And then we get, there are worse things I could do. Didn't skip that as well, actually. Seems you skipped quite a lot. <laughs> Just anything that's semi-serious. Yeah. yeah. But do you know who, who is horrible? Patty, whatever her name is. Patty Simcox? Yeah. Why? Because the moment, because the moment she's been picked on by them, yeah. the moment she has an opportunity, she does it straight back. Uh, yeah, I mean... 
could have just walked away and left it, but she doesn't. So it's like, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, she would be just as horrible. So you're saying that people are a product of their environment? you know so you're not you're not you're not a nice person it's just of you know it's just the situation that you're not cool enough that anyone would listen to you you get that opportunity you're horrible i wonder if our listeners can pick up on who was popular at school out of us two (laughs) i do actually i do actually agree with you there's nothing to say that that people that are bullied wouldn't have been the bully had they not yeah. had the first shot but I do think that being bullied possibly makes you a nicer person sometimes because I think it gives you uh compassion and an insight because you kind of know what it feels like yes maybe sometimes but Patty didn't <laughs> so yeah then we cut to the race and Kaniki gets knocked out so Danny drives for him instead and this was just, this was silly because to begin with they're talking and then they go we're racing for pink slips and then he, one of them's like what why would you enter a race you don't even know what you're racing for <laughs> she tells Frenchie that she knows a way she can be happy and just as she's walking off with Frenchie Sandy. Sorry, Danny looks over, sees that she's turned up, and he kind of has a wistful look on his face, doesn't he? Don't you think, though, that Sandy is very, she's very mixed messages? She's like, oh, I think I know what's going to make me happy. But I don't know, it's just very, she's very mixed messages, don't understand her. She doesn't have the, um, she doesn't know who she is. We get the the fairground scenes. And uh, again, this is what I thought my last day at school was going to be like. Wasn't. Me running home with people chasing me, throwing eggs at me. (laughs) What, you're saying, oh, you would have been the one throwing the eggs. I wouldn't. I wasn't like that. You would have got someone else to throw the eggs. I wouldn't buy the eggs or throw them. (laughs) Um... So Eugene manages to throw a pie and he gets to be a hero for two seconds because he actually is good at throwing, they find out. It's quite nice. And then he gets pied, so. Well, you know, you can't let him get too big for his boots. Turns out Rizzo's not pregnant because she's on a Ferris wheel. Which is good. So she gets back together with Kaniki. They're a cool couple, and I think out of all of the couples, they might have been actually the two that stayed together. Yeah, I agree. Danny turns up in a jock cardigan, and the boys laugh at him, and he says that he'll do anything to get Sandy back. But I was a bit like, here, all he did is put a cardigan on, like, compared to what, (laughs) you know, Sandy does. He literally whips that off in a second, and he's back to his old self. Yeah. I guess they couldn't have him dancing at the end looking like a geek, so they had to have something he could remove very quickly. Yeah. Because it would have looked ridiculous if he'd have been dressed as Eugene. At the yeah, end. that's true. So this was my, my second favourite scene in any film, and again, it involves smoking. When she turns up 
smoking that fag, mm. and then when she stubs it out on the floor, well, too much. And don't you think it's just crazy that it's like even today, if you wore that out, you'd look, you'd probably look yeah. cool for some people. Some people. What I always wondered is this, right? And maybe if anyone is listening that was alive in the 70s, that actually remembers it coming out, you can tell me, right? The poster for Greece is both of them at the end. So you see, you know, Glam, Sandy and Danny. Is that not a massive spoiler all the way through the film? Oh, yeah, I guess. Well, the poster to me, I'm looking at it now. If I saw that poster, right, I would be expecting a completely different film. We think we're going to be seeing, like, two really cool people, and we're not, really. I mean, she's become a completely different person. She's, I mean, and this is Frenchie teaching her. Yeah, I mean, imagine what would have happened with Rizzo. In frightening the transformation, in schizophrenic. So you're the one that I want comes on. Great song. Can I just say something, please, Carla? I just was flicking through the pictures, having a look, and I've seen um, there's an interesting theory. I'm not about Sandy dying. Yeah. It's been poo-pooed. It's rubbish. <laughs> I mean, why would she, why, why when she dies and she, you know, she's imagining this wonderful story, would it be that she, you know, spends a lot of the time and in fact, all of the summer, not with him? Miserable and then has to change. <laughs> it's a ridiculous theory. It's because of the flying car at the yeah. end, which we have to come on to. Yeah. So they worry, uh, all of them, that they won't get to see each other after graduation. But they then sing, we go together. And when this comes on, this is when I'm convinced this is my favourite I love this song. song. And each time I watch it, I try to watch a different person. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, there's yeah. so much going on. I like try to focus on a different person every time. But that man who walks like a penguin just oh. gets me every time. Yeah, he's doing an impression of one of um No, one of the Marx brothers he's doing an impression of, isn't he? And he's like, yeah, he really takes over that scene. He and really no does. how much you try to look at someone else, you're just focused on him. Yeah. And then, of course, at the end, weird, we see them go off in a flying I car. I don't get this. Don't know why Um... They did actually have the writer on the Channel 5 show that I watched or the producer or director or something to do with the film and he just said he thought it was a good fairy tale ending. That was the only explanation that he gave. Why not? It's his film. So that's Grease and this has got to be the only (laughs) film we've ever agreed on, 100%. It has. All these years... We could have been talking about our love of Greece and it's never come up in how many years? We've just been bickering about every other film. We could have been so much closer had we known this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've had a few shout-outs for it. We're going to go to a text message, first of all. Oh. From my mum. I think you're like this. When you do your Greece shout-outs, you have to comment on how drippy Sandy is. <laughs> At the school... 
dance, all the girls look grown up, and she turns up wearing her mother's neck curtains. Well done, Carla's mum. I mean, you agree with my mum on so many issues, it's scary. I mean, I completely agree with her. Everyone else got the memo that it was like a little bit sort of sexy and we're going to be on TV. And she turns up looking like the most sort of prissy little thing ever. On Twitter, Easy Rider Raging Podcast, who we thoroughly recommend. Please go and check out Chris's podcast. It's fantastic. Says a solid gold classic. This is what I like to refer to as a good time at the movies. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Tom and Jack podcast. Another one. I was listening to Tom and Jack earlier today, actually, in the car. Two very funny boys. Um, (laughs) That sounded creepy. It's literally sounded. Very funny boys. (laughs) It's so creepy. They're they're fully grown men. They've got jobs and everything. Um, Yeah, go and check out their podcast. They said, why does the car fly at the end? I want a definitive answer and I'll be listening for it. Right, well, you know. Yeah, we hope that I managed to provide you a definitive answer by watching a Channel 5 special. (laughs) I think we can tick that off the to-do list. Job done. John Dredge says... Strong male and female characters, always entertaining. Agreed? Yeah. Over on Instagram, we have Lyle, who says, absolute classic. The only bad part is beauty school dropout in the diner, which is appalling. But other than that, it's great. Rizzo was the best. Super Nerds UK, another really strong podcast, says... Isn't this film a guilty pleasure for everyone? I've never met anyone who didn't like it. Agreed. Brandy Fitzwalter says, It's fun and sweet. Also very relatable. I adore adore the soundtrack. Look at me, I'm Sandra D. Reprise is my song. So that's when Olivia Newton-John is singing it. Oh, okay. Cindy, our official American correspondent, says i had the album i know the movie off by heart it's completely quotable one of my top 10 even top five films oh so it seems everyone likes this film yeah is there anything you would like to add on this no i don't think so i think i've done enough gushing about this film We've both gushed. I apologise if we've made anyone feel a bit nauseous because we haven't really (laughs) done anything other than say loads of nice things. You can find us on Twitter at Theme Park Films, on Instagram at Theme Park Films Podcast, or you can email us themeparkfilms at hotmail.com. We are now on Spotify, which is a huge deal. It's one of the the podcast players where you don't just get automatically added on. You actually have to apply, and we got accepted, so that's a huge deal for us. So I guess thank you for listening, probably. We probably got on there because we had some figures. Don't know. Might have been a mistake. No, cut that out. Maybe we shouldn't mention it. Just in case someone from Spotify is listening. We're like, hold on, how they get on? 
We are also the proud creators of Britpod Scene, which is a collective of British podcasts. Please go and check our Facebook page that is run for, uh, by Stacey from Rough Giraffe, another fantastic podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Britpod Scene, where all of the tweets that we retweet are from the podcasts that we endorse. And we will see you for the next show which is the last in our series of specials for 2017, although we might do it again in 2018 because we have quite a few entries. But part three will be chosen by one of the the listeners. Can't wait. So thank you very, very much for listening and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Theme Park Films podcast is part of Britpod Scene, a network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritPodScene.com or follow BritPodScene on Twitter to find out more.